Welcome back to the Read Connected podcast. This season, we've been interviewing interesting individuals who have their own unique path toward excellence. In each interview, we've tied in themes of performance psychology, relationships, mental health, and learning as a way to bring light to the process behind the scenes. Today, we're so excited to have Joe Perella, otherwise known as Joe P, join us virtually from his bat cave in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe P is a singer songwriter, yep. formerly the lead of the band Deal Casino, who is a rising star who has always shone bright in our eyes and has been touring across the country and Europe to show the music he's mostly created in his basement. So you may know him from the stage, music streaming platforms, or social media posts from his basement or backyard. To say his path has been unique is an understatement. I'm not even sure we can exactly label which category or genre your music fits into. But we can say with certainty that Joe P rocks a show like none other. He's got an awesome voice, his style is super creative, and he is so genuine. Teamed with his presence and connection to the music, his sound is contagious. Joe has a following and fans that show unwavering loyalty and enthusiastically sing his songs as if they'd known them for decades. Joe P just has it, the je ne sais quoi. Although Joe P is super accomplished in his field, it's important to note that we try to bring on guests who to the podcast who really respect um, the work that they do. And not only do we see their successes, but we really respect them as individuals, not just for their successes, successes and accomplishments, but because of their experiences, perspective, wisdom, inspiration, and character. And with that all being said, we want to welcome our cousin, the one, the only. Joe P. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, everybody? We were joking before we started that um, it's ironic that Jerry and I are here in studio on Newbury Street in Boston, Massachusetts, right around the corner from the Berkeley School of Music, where Joe, after high school, had a little experience. (laughs) Yeah, so kind of, yeah, you know what? My path to excellence began right there. So there you go. Well, you know, (laughs) whether or not um, Berkeley was the impetus for the path to excellence, I think your time here kind of solidified who you are musically, the things that you knew you wanted to do and the path to get you there. I I almost feel like, and I remember you coming up in high school with Emily to, to visit Boston and to check things out and... And when you're here, though you were super immersed in pretty much everything you did, um, we did get to see a few shows together when you were here. But I, I know that you also figured out what you did like, what worked for you and what didn't. I think that's such an important part of the process. And I really want us to hone in on this because in my work, Joe, um, I really help people, especially learners to say like, what does and doesn't work? Sometimes we feel like we have to get pigeonholed in one aspect of things or another. And sometimes that stifles our whole passion and purpose and that whole path towards wherever we're supposed to end up. So, you know, just to kind of get things started off, I know we were joking a little bit about college and, you know, college isn't for everybody. And in fact, sometimes that defeats the purpose of us working towards our goals. So tell us a little bit about like how you found your music. You can talk about Berkeley to start or go all the way back to first time you picked up a guitar. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess it really started when I was really little because music and guitar was like 
when you're that little, you're that young, like, you know, five years old or something, a guitar and singing and a piano is just like an extension of like your toy chest. Right. So I had like Hot Wheels cars, I had Legos and mm. there was a little piano in there. Like that's what, it was kind of like weird subliminal, you know, whatever it was, you know, like I, cause I've seen home videos of me and I'm like playing with like trains and stuff. And there's like a stupid little drum and a piano. And I'm like, wait a minute. That, I was getting brainwashed to love music <laughs> at that young. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I didn't see any, I never saw, there was no, um, like, cause now it's funny when a lot of like people, adults, or even like, you know, if you're in, you know, high school, like, and you start learning an instrument, you're a little more self-aware, which, uh, can, can cause you to think of things as like, oh, I have to go practice or uh, today I'm going to sit down and practice guitar, like things like that, you know, and, and be disciplined. When you're little, like you don't need discipline. You have to be disciplined when you're little. You don't. You have no idea how to discipline yourself. Mm. So if you're doing something like playing an instrument, you're just fully free. I think to like actually just just go into it as purely as you can. Like any kid, like how we always say, kids are kind of the most you know they have the most pure outlook on the world. Yeah. That applies to when you you know start playing music. So eventually, it just kind of I got lucky and like that it was it it was blurry and just went right into like that a little more, you know, eighth grade, freshman year, high school, where you start to become a little more self-aware. But I was now, I still didn't think of it as like, oh, I'm going to practice today. It was just like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this toy. It's still a toy to me. It's still this stupid, fun, playful thing. Um, And when I started realizing like you can make songs or, you know, we can, you know, my friends, we started a band and, you know, in like eighth grade and we could be in the talent show and we can, you know, there was just this weird like magic. It, it was like magic where I was like, we can just get together and try to rehearse. And if we do everything right, it's going to sound a certain way. That's so cool. Like what a simple concept, but like what a fun, like it was like living in a video game, right? Because at that age, I should have been really into video games. But because I had this, I wasn't as into those kinds of things or like movies and stuff. Like I just was like, we can do this in a garage. The stuff people see in like, you know, YouTube videos and movies all day. Like we can like make magic, like let's do it. So I think that was the beginning of loving being a, in a band or creating, you know what I mean? Like rather than just, I need to learn guitar, and, you know, study the greats. Like I love guitar playing so much. Eventually that kind of ended and it became a little more about like, well, what if, you know, I, I want to be able to perform. I want to be able to be on stage and, and, and have something to say or have something to, to show. Um, so that started with like talent shows and little contests and things, battle the bands. Like you get your first little like adrenaline rush, I think, of uh, being in front of strangers or or people you know, and and being super vulnerable. You know, it's like a we. It's a very like um, it, it was a very. When I look back on it now, I realize how kind of like you need to force yourself to grow up only in the sense of like that discipline uh, area. Um, a little earlier than everyone else around you. Like I felt like in, when I look back at like freshman year of high school or, and so on, I feel like a Friday night party would come up and I had the thing in my brain that sometimes would go, yeah, I want to go to that party because you're in high school. Like, what are you doing? Or I would also sometimes just as easily go like, you know what? I got really into this thing. I started like making, like I'm going to just stay home tonight, which is weird. You know, it's a weird thing to do when you're like 17 I'd say it's and kind you can of drive amazing. and you can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm happy about it. I'm so happy that I had yeah. that because I think like all that time by myself, I was able to learn a lot about myself without knowing it, you know, because I'm yeah. at that like 
you're a sponge. You're a sponge when you're really little, and then it doesn't really end, you know, until maybe like after, even after after college. Like you really are a sponge in different ways throughout. So I feel like even in high school, I was a sponge uh, sitting in my room alone, though, and I didn't know what I was kind of like absorbing by being there and being cool with just being alone and happy with that and content and not like, I need to be with people. I'm like, I need to drink. Like everyone was drinking and I wasn't really drinking that much. And I, and you, I felt weird because I was like, I want to be, it's like anything else. Like everyone's wearing those sneakers. Like I should be wearing those sneakers, right? When you're in that age. And like, so maybe I should be doing this too, but I just couldn't, I never fell into like peer pressure or anything like that. I think because I knew I had me in my room alone. Like I had that, like lesson that I taught myself of like, oh, I'm okay with like being the weirdo. That's what's weird. You're you're okay with being the weirdo in your room. Like that. If you can do that, you can do anything. Like you're <laughs> you're able to handle any situation. You know what I mean? It's like a ultimate confidence, I think. Um so so that just became that. And then going to Berkeley in college was just like, you know, everyone just goes to college. It was like everyone's going to prom. I'm gonna go, everyone's going to college. Like there's there was no um there was no actually like thought about it um, as much as it was just like, okay, I have to do this thing now. You know, this is like what my parents have been talking about forever and everyone talks about it all, you know, for senior year and your guidance counselors are telling you, you know, what do you think? Where are you going to go? Um, and you're at the age where, again, your brain is just thinking in terms of, like, I always think it's so funny how I was, I was asked to make, uh, you know, however much money decision of where I'm going to go to college. Mm. So it's kind of, I just think it's a little like twisted that we expect kids like senior year, whatever, 17 years old, 18, like to be making those kinds of decisions um, in a way that it's like, this will determine the rest of your life. And, you know, so, so what do you think? But also, oh, I heard, you know, you think your life's over because that girl broke up with you that you dated for a month. You know, it's like <laughs> your brain just isn't there yet. You, sh- you shouldn't be in that. You shouldn't be in the driver's seat with that, you know? Um, or, you know, which I don't even think, I think that's one of the big things that threw me off was like, oh my God, you know, college determines the rest of your life. It's so scary that it almost scares you into like, I'm just going to go. You know what I mean? You're like, I can't not go. I can't fall behind. Mm-hmm. And then after it's been done, I've realized that, like when I have a kid, I'm I'm so not going to put that uh, not pressure, but I'm not going to put that thought in their head. I don't think of like this decision where you go, what you major in, what you decide to do determines the rest of your life. It's like you go to college and you could take another four years after college and another four years and still have a totally new path. You know, it's like there's mm-hmm. so many, there is so much time to figure out what you want to do and how you want to do it that the idea of those four years like being the whole thing is so strange to me. You know what I mean? I just don't, I just don't think we should put that much pressure on it. Um, mm-hmm. So, but when I went there, I thought it was Hold a way on, to Joe, make my parents happy. I, I just yeah. want to say that yeah. what, what you're saying is so validating for a lot of individuals Alexis I work with. We, we really appreciate you um, being on the, on, on, the oh, other, cool. on, the, on the other end of it and looking back and because when, yeah. you, when you're in it, you, you can't think any differently because this is your life. You can't have the perspective. So for you to share that yeah. is so valuable. But I want to pull back a little bit before you get into like post-college and, and yeah. all that stuff because there's so much sure, sure. said in childhood. And, you know, Alexis and I remember, you know, you know, being with you during the holidays and stuff when you started to really get into the guitar 
and how passionate you were about it. It was so refreshing. Like it's so refreshing when you see someone who genuinely just really is into something and it's so genuine, it's real. It's not for show. It's just because you love it. And um, I'm going to refer back to an episode we had on this season for a, a very elite hockey player. She said something very similar that you said. She said when she was younger, she felt different, but she found hockey was something she just loved doing. She just wanted to do it for fun. She was out there all day long just doing drills finding other people who were like her to enjoy that with. And if they didn't, be like, okay, maybe we're just not meant to hang out together because we have different passions. And I feel like you're very similar in that way. You found people to play you know, in your garage with and to just experiment uh, with the music with and to, to be fully absorbed with, with it. So you know, I'm just, I just want to ask you, like, yeah. how, how did that feel? Because um, it was a very organic way of learning about yourself. You know, There's a really good lyric by Stephen Kellogg. He says something like, whatever you see on the screen is also something you can experience in real life. And you, your quote actually said wow. something like that, right? Yeah. You know, like people are watching YouTube videos yeah. about things that are happening, but actually you can go experience that in real life if you wanted to and have the courage to go out there and, yeah. and to discover yourself and your passions. So I just wanted to hear, you know, how that felt for yeah. you and your comments on that. Yeah, um, I think like, you know, again, it's you're at an age where you're so not self-aware yet. You're not aware that you're disciplined enough to schedule a band practice. Like I didn't know I was doing that. I just mm -hmm. thought, you know, we're doing, we're doing a band practice. Like let's all get together, you know? And then if someone was, you know, late or was like not into it, I would have to be like, come on, like we got to get into it. You know, I was like a manager at like a restaurant almost, you know what I mean? Like in this weird <laughs> miniature way, I was like, I became this like band leader but I didn't know it. I didn't know I'm the leader of this band and it's my job to make sure everyone does their job. Like I had no clue that that's what was happening. Um, mm. So I would just, you know, you would just have a band practice then it would get over and then you would go do, and then it was like, okay, now we're all going to like so-and-so's like graduation party or like, we're going to just do like kid stuff now, you know? And it was weird though that there was, whenever the band practice thing happened, it was like this very disciplined, uh, thing to do for four guys to get together and like work on something for a couple of hours uh, and try to be and try to get really good at it and focus in on it like super super hard to the point where we got it and then when it was done it was like it was almost like we would go back to like being a kid tom hanks it was like the beginning of that movie and then he's big and that's our band practice and then when he goes back and he's wearing all the all the he has all the giant clothes on you know that's like that's what i felt like after the band practice it felt like we like grew up 10 years to do this like disciplined thing of like let's get this together and then we would get done and it was like okay let's go play somewhere again you know we were back to being like kids again so it's weird it's a weird thing but you could see that in um sports in high school like there were kids that i remember thinking like it's amazing that these kids are staying after school i quit after a year or two of basketball in high school because i didn't want to get yelled at by a coach anymore and i thought it was so crazy um that i was like you got this is i would like make jokes out of it i would i would be trying to like i, I just thought it was an extension of school I, I didn't want to be told what to do right so but I remember looking back now, the kids that were really into it, like the star players mm -hmm. who like would be like, come on, Joe, like you're like messing around, like take this seriously. That was me in the band. Like that was my serious thing. I couldn't understand. Like I wish I could go back in time now and almost like appreciate those kids who were so into being an athlete mm -hmm. because they were doing the same thing. Like the crazy stuff kids would do that it was like, you know, 
that takes so much discipline and so much like um, work and effort. Um, and you kind of have to turn off your kid brain. You know, you have to turn off that, like, let's just have fun brain for a little bit to do something. Um, that's interesting. And it's the same thing with really good students in school, I think. When you see the kids who were great students, I look back now and it's like, they were just really, really disciplined. I wouldn't even, like, I used to think, oh, they're just so much smarter than me. So that's why I can't do well in school. Mm. But now I look back, I'm like, oh, I could do so well in school now if I knew what I knew now. Yeah. Mm. I just didn't want to try. I just didn't want to try or be disciplined enough to listen or to sit there and do the work. Uh, but I look back, I'm like, it was so easy. All you had to do was like pay attention a little bit, do some work, and like the answers are right there for you. You know, and the kids that were good at that, I don't know if they were necessarily that much smarter than me now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. It was more so that I think they were just like ahead, ahead of their maturity of like, I need to sit here and like work on this. Right. Um, so I think there were versions of it everywhere, you know, and the band was like, I couldn't find it anywhere else. I couldn't find it in sports. Cause I was the guy who was like the weakest player and like the weakest mindset of like, I don't want to get yelled at by this like grown adult in between, you know, games and stuff. And, and then school was the same thing where I was like, well, that's the smart kid. I'm not the smart kid. Um, and again, I also didn't feel a sense of like being an individual, I think, in school because I felt like I remember thinking like, wait a minute. So best case scenario, I can get straight A's, but that's still the, the thing that's set for me. Like the best I can do is still a bar that's set that it's like, even if I hit that, mm. it's someone else's like, threshold of like, this is what's good. Mm. And I remember thinking like, I'm not that inspired by that. I wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't know at the time, but I think that was a thing eating at me slowly was like, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't have a draw. I didn't have a drive to do it because it was just like a, it was like seeing the finish line as opposed to like, just run as fast as you can until you get to the end. You know what I mean? And I didn't, I didn't feel anything from that where the band, it was like, the needle only got pushed if I made it go. And yeah. then I, it was like chopping with a a machete, a machete. Like you couldn't, as soon as you went a little bit, you were, there's another wall and it's like, now what are we going to do? I don't know. Yeah. You know, and school felt more like a really long road that you can see the finish line way over there. And it's just a matter of you know, like, you're going to, are you going to stop running? Are you going to keep going? And, but you're with a bunch of people. And I didn't like, I didn't like that sense of, you know, best case scenario. I'm just like everyone else. That's what I remember thinking. And I was like, you know, I wanted my parents to be happy, so I wanted to do well in school. But that was that was the other thing. It was just for that. It was just for other people. It was always like, do well in school because that's what you're supposed to do. And like, if I only had a reason, like now, if I could go back, I would find a reason in a second to learn, want to learn, and want to do well. But they don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you mm. how to view school like i think it would be so beneficial if they sat everyone <laughs> down or found a way to just to just let everyone so know funny, that funny like, joey that's what that's i think that's what your yeah. cousin alexis does <laughs> so strange oh yeah there you go yeah <laughs> that's what i mean i wish I, I wish i had you that would have been, I know, that I been so that all great the time. i'm like i wish i had an alexis when i was younger but you know you bring up so many yeah. important points and developmentally you know jerry brought up what the hockey player on our podcast had mentioned to mia about when she became so inspired by sport, right? And it's, I, you know, you're using the word weird. I think it, it, you're probably saying that because it was against the grain of what was quote unquote normal back yeah. then where you grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. And, you know, I get that, we get that. Um, 
when you do something different, it always does feel a little weird and uncomfortable because it's it might be unfamiliar territory and things that we're not used to. I mean, right. as a kid, I think the beauty of, I'm going to speak for myself, but also for you a little bit here and you chime in if I'm wrong. I think the beauty of the way we were raised is that we had some freedom to explore and dive deep when we felt the passion to do that. And this quote unquote thing you're calling weird, I think that was more of like you had this inspiration to be able to dive deep. And the thing that you were talking about in terms of learning and studying, you were doing that, just not the way school was telling you to. Right. Right? Exactly. You were becoming yes, a exactly. master was, student was, at music. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's true. Yeah. No. So that's the thing. I would. It's so funny because I would play guitar for eight hours on like weekend days and stuff. I would play for all day. I would not stop. And they, you know, weekdays I'd come home and they'd have to call me for dinner because it was so loud. They would be like knocking on my door. <laughs> you know. So like, I was I was always practicing, and I think like at a certain point my parents did kind of like get that i think they because i remember they took my guitar away from me in order to like push me to like you'll get it back when you like start taking school more seriously like that mm. was they thought that was gonna work and i thought it was too that's what was weird i remember they did that and i thought like oh yeah this is genius this is gonna be the thing that <laughs> makes me do better in school you thought that back in high school and i didn't and i i i did yeah <laughs> and i didn't do and i didn't do better at all uh, I, I did i did the same thing and I think it was like one of those funny moments where we were almost, me and my parents were all kind of sitting there like, what the hell? I thought that was going to be the thing that worked. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, honestly, me too. Like, I yeah. can't believe this. And, uh, but I think that was also a good realization of like, um, it was like this proof that like, um, you cannot force those kinds of things. You yeah. cannot force someone to, work harder at something or whatever because like then i would you know when they get because i remember they gave me the guitar back they're like all right yeah whatever i guess <laughs> go back you know let's back to status quo and like i think and i and i went right back to playing guitar for eight hours a day yeah. and they were probably like well here's a little oh, parenting like, tip he, he does have discipline yeah <laughs> just not for schoolwork <laughs> no no no, no. I, but i have to say and yeah. this is for our listeners who might be caregivers who we're gonna have them listen to this episode and and hear a different perspective because oftentimes I think parents get it into that trap that you're saying like, you know, everybody has to do well in school and then go to college and then be successful in a career. Yeah. And, I th and I think that, you know, when you zoom out and you look at people who are really successful and we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of people on the show this, this season to talk about their experiences, oftentimes it wasn't just a straightforward path and there were a lot of ups and downs and zigs and zags. But from a parenting perspective, you know, if you see and notice, you know, your kid isn't doing well in school, you know, the thing not to do is take away the thing they love the most. You know, it sounds like it's yeah. a good punishment, but really that like, it's almost like taking off your arm and telling you to swim, right? It's like, it's like without totally. that arm, totally. you know, you'll figure yeah. it out if you really want to do well, if you want yeah. that back. But you know, it's it's yeah. like you got to find a different motivator that is going to connect to the goal. So if the goal is to do well in school yeah. and learning, you really want to target something that allows for them to find motivation within themselves to do well. Because like you might have been pushed yeah. in a different way to connect with school differently than you were before because you were so deeply invested in music, which is such a beautiful thing. And I think that a lot of kids 
you know, especially today, if if a kid is really excited about music, what do the parents tend to do? They put them in a million hours of music lessons or, you know, different classes and <laughs> yeah. stuff rather than yeah. like, here, find your friends who like to do music, hang out in the garage for yeah. a couple hours a day and figure it out. You know, giving them that time yeah. to explore. Yeah. And of course, there's skill involved that not everybody's going to pick up a guitar and pretty much, I mean, how many instruments sure. do you play now, Joe? I, a good amount, I don't know, like six or something like pretty that. Pretty much but all of them, not, as I've not, noticed, not well. if you want to. But <laughs> but really though, like it, it, there's skill involved and sometimes that extra training is helpful. Don't get me wrong. And I know Mia talked about this too in terms yeah. of hockey development, but you know, for a musician, there might be some skill and training, but really it's about that exploration yeah. and having that joy and a joy in learning, which I think gets sucked out of the school system so quickly. Well, I think too, Joe, is that- Yeah, it, it does. I, th- I think that there's there's an added element that, um, you know, we know you pretty well. You're, you're a creative uh, dude who like thinks outside of the box and, and not everyone's like you too, right? So some kids may prefer kind of a more structured learning environment for, for, for what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think like, I think that the message here in some ways is like, figure out who, who the kid is and, and, you know, what, a, what a beautiful thing that, you know, over time, like, you know, your family, yeah. like, we, we, we've been blessed to have people in our family and extended family that really want the best for us. And, and believe in us yeah. and want us to, you know, to be great at what we're doing. And so it's, it's cool that, you know, yeah. this, this added element that you, you discover who you are, you are that creative dude who can do stuff like this and be great at it and to enjoy it. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's like, um, it's just, it's just an awkward age when you're in high school or eighth grade or whatever to be doing all this stuff. Because like, if you are the kind of person who's being drawn to something, um, it's weird because you have, it's a weird age for everyone because you are, your brain is just not developed enough to be able to deal with the emotions that come with it, right? Necessarily. And almost the thing itself is the only hope as far as, you know, like your brain has all this stuff in it that, that it wants to, you know, feel and get out. And because you're not developed enough, you can't. So this music mm-hmm. thing or sports or whatever is a nice outlet. It's like this outlet to let all that, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not ready for that yet. Energy kind of go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then you have your parents or something where they're, you know, they're seeing you in eighth grade or freshman year and you start, you're starting to get into this very specific thing and they're probably excited, but also like, what do we, you know, how do, what do we do? We don't know how to deal with it, you know? And it's also, I think, worth, saying how that me, you know, in eighth grade, it was one of the first times like that, that like, that was one of the first generational kind of like shifts, I think, where like you're having kids, like my, like my parents were not that, that different from their parents as far as like how they grew up. Right. But how I grew up and like the world I grew up in is so different than the Mm. world my parents grew up in. Right. And I Mm -hmm. think that's, it's the first time in history it was ever that different you have the internet like and social media starting to come out and you know so there's all these things where like the idea of like you know the 50s versus the 60s with like the parents not understanding like rock and roll was like nothing compared to like (laughs) what we are what we are now dealing with and it's just i think every generation that goes by it's getting more and more um there's more you know deeper things to go into that it's like well we didn't have that when we were kids so how do we deal with that with our kids you know but i think um like that had some some kind of like contribution or effect on how 
I think like someone like my parents had to navigate that because they were like, well, you know, the whole point of like us being in the eighties and nineties was like, have kids and like make, make sure they go to college. Like, mm-hmm. let, like that's what we're all trying to put, you know, like get your kids to college so that they can get a degree and get a job. And like when that era came along where, you know, you start having the internet and, and things and kids are expressing themselves more, I think, because, you know, parents are getting a little more open to things slowly. Like now there's these new avenues opening up and now the parents are going, I don't even know what that, I don't know how to tell you not to do this. Right. Like taking the guitar away. They didn't know, they yeah. had no clue. They were like, this totally. is a new thing. We don't know how to parent you, yeah. you know? And it's like, that is kind of crazy for them to to have to navigate that. And then it's, them not knowing how to navigate it, they've known they've known how to navigate everything before that moment. So now you're looking yeah. at your parents, kind of like, I don't know what to do because you don't know what to do, you know. And, it, and there's this weird like clash, but I think it's also like a great thing. I think when that's happening, you let that you're you're being more people and less. I'm your parent. You're my kid, and yeah. I think that's when good stuff happens. You know what I mean? Totally. And it's the exploration so, together it's, to figure it out. You know. And you're right, like developmentally, yeah, yeah. Your, your brain isn't ready yet to make these big decisions, even though you're pushed in a direction. No. And it's so, again, it's so cool that you had the space to decide for yourself, like, this is something I love. I'm going to dedicate time and effort towards. And in fact, it opened up a lot of different avenues and some great friendships along the way. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But then on the other end, you know, you had the support to be able to you know, try something new, move to a new city, try to get technically trained. And yeah. and again, going back to my original um, point of like, what works and what doesn't. And I think that's something that we need to give time and space to for ourselves as adults, but especially for children to explore and figure out. So you really can get on a path where you feel good about the decisions you make and you feel like you're on a path that feels right that you can do forever instead of just something that is becomes a job. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, and I think parents uh, are getting better. I, I think overall, at when their kid has something that they're leaning towards or they, an interest or whatever, it's like you know, kind of just get out of the way in in a healthy way enough that it's like cool. That's I, I can parent everything. I can I can do everything else around this. I can still guide my kid or whatever. Um, but it's almost like that's because it was almost like when we'd have band practice, it was just kind of like they like they didn't they almost disappeared. Like my parents to me were now just like the people that own this house that I was like <laughs> doing this like thing in. Right. Yeah. But like as soon as it was over, it was like you gotta take out the garbage, right? So it was yeah, like yeah. I think that I think that's the idea. It's not that they have to completely like mm-hmm. dislocate from the thing that you do, totally. but it's almost like they need to recognize that it's like, oh my kid is parenting themselves when they're doing this one tiny thing. Mm. Like, let me let them parent themselves as far as like, they have to navigate this themselves because I can't do it for them. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, everything else, sure. You got a guide, you have to, you have to help, but you know, everything, everything else around that is one thing, but the very specific, you know, niche thing that they're doing is almost like be happy that they're, that I think is like a, a tiny, tiny window as a parent that you're getting to see into your kid's future. Like that's the only part of me that has not changed at all since mm. the first time I saw, I, I still like I'm having band practice tonight. It's the exact same that it was when I was in seventh grade. But I love how you said it. it's a window into your future, mm. but I know yeah. Alexis wants to get into 
some next stages of your life. This yeah. has been an sure, incredible sure, sure. conversation. And to wrap up what you were saying too, I think that that structure and flexibility is key, not just as a parent with your children, but in our lives in general, right? You need to have some foundational structure and then allow for flexibility to be there and to have that happen. And I think that's, as you were describing, you know, your band practices in high school, it's the same idea. It's like, you got to have that freedom where you can build independence and confidence in yourself doing something you love and to do it well. Yeah. But there still has got to be some structure to build that discipline. It doesn't come from nowhere. And and, and, and as, you, as we cool. said right. in our last episode about expanding the idea of happiness, there's mm. research on that, that that's where self-esteem comes from. Totally. When you you are focused on what you're doing and you enjoy what you're doing, like I'm sure that time of your life, you had your self-esteem probably really increased. I don't want to speak for you, but it probably did. And you also had the play and, the, and yeah. being a kid too, to balance that out. So you're not just mm. a rope, you know, you're not just doing one thing all the time. So that was Really nice to hear. I'm sure your self-esteem skyrocketed at that point. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, you know, yeah. It was like um, that was my superpower because I wasn't the smart kid. I wasn't. I was a little bit of like the funny kid, a little bit like in school. Like I, I found a way to like because I wasn't good at anything. Like I wasn't like the star athlete or the like perfect this that. It was like okay, I'll use humor to kind of like mm. make my way into the the room and. That helped, and then the music just kind of like was this other thing that came with it, and yeah, it was an identity. It was when people. That's the thing when you're a kid, like you're so sensitive to those things that if like you play a talent show, and everyone comes up to you, yeah, and scream, you know, it's like that's so like you. I'll never forget the first time a crowd like cheered or clapped for something I did, and it's like you're. It's just like a visceral. It goes into you, and you're just like whoa, and and it's not in a way that you're. Like, oh, I love applause and I, you know, like your ego, right. you're not old enough to have an ego. Right. So it's, it's more like, it's this idea of like, it's the first time you do something that you fully do for yourself. And mm. then all of a sudden all these people go, yeah, yeah, we love that. And mm. then you go, really? And then, and then you love it more because mm. it's just, you're sharing it's it. just, it's just confirming that. Yeah. It's confirming how much you love it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like when someone claps for you for doing something that you love doing for yourself that you would do if everyone in the world disappeared and you were left like I am legend, like Will Smith style. Like if you were totally alone on the planet, what would you do? I would still play music, right? Yeah. But obviously there's shows because there's other people. And then when they clap or they, they, they like what you do or connect to it even for that matter, you're like, you just are so, it's not an ego thing. It's like, you're just so happy, uh, to be to confirm that identity like you are so sure of it but when someone else connects to it you're like it's almost like you're able to like have an out of body and see yourself as like oh yeah you're you are something to other other people like they can see that thing it's not just like this wacky world in your own in your own head you know it must feel like so you're con- you're, it must feel like you're, you're creating and you're contributing to people around you and you're sharing that I feel like those are the words that are coming to my mind yeah you're creating something that didn't exist yeah you're sharing it and um, you're contributing to the people around you you're making you know and, and you're sharing it it's, it's just like profound really it's exactly what Jelani said in some ways about his first time acting and he was a late bloomer with acting and kind of took a unique path too so yeah it's amazing how these themes really kind of uh, cross paths. And I have to say, uh, yeah. I, know you, I know you just said probably like five times I wasn't the smart one, but as long as I know you, you've, <laughs> you've been wise and mature beyond your years. And it, maybe it didn't fit oh, into thanks. the school <laughs> box because 
you didn't want to do what they wanted you to do, but that doesn't mean you weren't yeah, smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will have to say some of my favorite conversations with you are just like literally just talking about deep, insightful, philosophical things about the world. And and you have yeah. so much to share even outside of your music. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. And I want to go back to this idea yeah. of like structure and creativity because, you know, I think that that has a lot to say and, and you and Jerry can speak about this way more than I can. There's a lot to say about structure and flexibility in songwriting. And I'm curious about some of your process in doing that because, you know, being a creative person who's really, you know, for those of you listeners who haven't listened to Joe's music, you, you got to listen to it because it's such a unique sound. And I don't know how you would even describe the genre yourself, but it's very creative and know. unique and different. And to write a song, I can't even imagine what that process looks like or, or how you get inspired to write and create the way you do. Yeah, it's I, different every time. I think that, that's uh, that's what I think I like about it. I think I liked, that's like with Berkeley. I went there and it was another, you know, if it, you know, just like how I was saying, everyone could get A pluses in high school. It was like another bar was set where I was like, I want to be the best guitar player in the world. I can't wait to go to this school and learn how to, you know, it was like Hogwarts. Like I could just like, I'm going to be in this great place. I'm going to be the best. And I remember getting there and I wasn't discouraged because everyone was already the best. You know what I mean? It was more like I was uh, turned off by the same way I was turned off by like grading in school where I was just like, I don't have a drive. I can't, I can't fake it because I know that from high school. So I'm not going to even try to, you know, fake myself into like caring about this, like, you know, I'm going to learn all my scales. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to, you know. And then when I started, basically what I've learned is that there's always been a thing that I need to, um, like an escape route in everything I am put into. <laughs> so, you know, you put, you like, you put me in school and, you know, I was like, I found music and a guitar as my like, oh, this is my escape from like this system that I that I've been put into. Now I can go home and play guitar for eight hours and no one can tell me what to do. Then I got into Berkeley and now someone's going, I can tell you how to play that guitar. And I'm going, oh no, where and now this was my only thing to escape. Where do I go now? Mm. And then all of a sudden um they give you that laptop and like a little recording interface. And I started like making songs in garage band out of thin air of just like what is the you know and that was my escape because no one could tell me how to do that and i was mm. like oh and then i started like skipping classes because i was like so deep into an idea that i was like i don't want to stop doing this and like i, I don't want to go learn about guitar scales i'm already doing the thing i love right here and it's music so you can't convince me to go to this music class you know because this is this is what i'm already wanting to do so songwriting became the thing and it's yet to be like tested i think as far as like that's been the thing that's been the strongest kind of like foundation escape route that i found of like really no one can tell you what to do because it's like there's no it's so infant like invisible that it's like no one can tell you oh well we're gonna teach you how to songwrite we're gonna teach you mm. what you should say and, and not say because no one actually knows what works you know like there's not actually like a a, a way to Formula. know how to do it well. You just, yeah, like you just try your best every day and sometimes you write a bad song or a good song and I like that randomness to it. I think it uh, it just like makes for a really good 
no one can tell me what to do type of a, you know, setting, which is nice, you know, and, and um, you can write with people and you can always collaborate. Um, but even when I've done that, there's been times where it starts to dip into that world that I don't really like. I don't like being so aware that we're all in a room trying to like outsmart each other with lyrics <laughs> and like, mm. it just becomes a little, you know, that like the Nashville country pop song thing. Like yeah. it becomes very like, we're thinking, we're overthinking it. And I'm like, no, 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 this is the, you're ruining the one thing that I'm like, this is the, like mm. my safety like space here. And now it's like, it's getting messed with. So, um, but when I'm here, like just doing it, it's, you know, I don't know what's going to happen from second to second, which is like so fun. You know, what's cool about songwriting. Um, when I talk to my students and supervise them to, to become therapists, and even when I talk to my patients, the clients, one thing that rings true to me is everybody is, there's never, there's never going to be another you ever in terms of when you sure, were born, sure. your family, the people around you, your thoughts, your feelings, your be- like, there's so many factors that make an individual who they are. It's impossible to, to replicate it ever because time passes and you're growing up in a new context. And so as much as like, you know, AI is starting to create songs and, you know, there's a lot of controversy around that. I think one thing AI can never do is to replicate someone's experience in life. And you're describing your songs totally. come from you. And that's the beauty of songwriting. It comes from you. And sometimes I've I wondered about this. I'm like, how are there so many songs out there? And like, you know, sometimes there's similarities yeah. and stuff like that. But but like not there's no one yeah. song that's exactly the same as another song. Even with movies, I'm like, how do they right. keep creating something that's a little bit different? <laughs> it's amazing to me how that how people yeah. can yeah. do that. I think that's probably one of the reasons is because everybody is unique in such subtle, different yeah. ways. Yeah, and you don't know it, I think, because if you ask the people who make the songs or make the movies, they always, in some sense, kind of lean towards, I just really wanted to make, like, a, I love Wes Anderson, and, like, I just wanted, I, like, that's my hero, and I really wanted to just, I've always just been trying to be as good as him, and then, like, what they make is nothing like that, you know, because, like, like that's why I always tell people when they start singing to just start doing covers and, like, try to sound like the people that you love, like go ahead and like sit down and do a cover and try to sing it like them. Like, and because you are what you just said, super individual and nothing can be, you know, copied, you end up, it's a nice way to kind of like fake yourself out into leaning into like just being yourself. Right. So you're trying to sound like Tom York, but in doing that, you're just uh, you're just letting yourself actually go for something, and then now you get to hear your own voice, and you're like, "Oh, that's what I sound like," you know. And you trick mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. But anytime I make anytime I make a song, I'm always like, I think that's the thing with musicians, especially in songwriters, like in a group of people. Like when you talk about songs, like you know, the first things we always love to do are go like, "Oh man, I love like the drums and that." Just sound like you know David Bowie. Like I love that. Like. I was trying to go for like a talking heads thing or I was like, you know, this, the guitar line, like that super radio head stuff. Cause we're just like, we can't you like, unless you're Kanye West, like you really can't think you're that authentic. Like it's very, very difficult for most artists to think they're that authentic. Right. So you're constantly just coming up with excuses as to like, and, and kind of like knocking yourself down a little bit only in the sense of like, you're so afraid to not be authentic that you're just like, Oh yeah, I was just going for, th-. you know, you, you, you can't imagine just going, yes, I made this song. It's completely from my like genius brain. No one's <laughs> yeah. ever done anything like this. Like it, it's very hard to do that. You know what I mean? Even though when you're making music, 
you are thinking that. Like <sighs> you are in a headspace of like, this is the most genius thing ever. Yeah. Everyone's going to explode when they hear this, right? Because you have to get to that ego and that level of confidence to be able to create, I think. To send it. Um, mm. Yes. And then as soon as it's done and there's other people in the room and now, now you start going, yeah, I don't know. Like, and then people are going, holy shit, you know, this is amazing. Or like, this, I've never heard anything like this or anything. And like, it's funny because that's the goal. That's the, that was your goal was to make people say that. And then once people do, you're kind of like, oh, no, I don't know. Like, it, it, you know, like you, you just, you kind of just have this weird thing where you're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or whatever, where it's like, there's two sides of you where like, I work so hard to be able to go play shows and I want a billion people to show up. And then when people do show up to those shows, like on this headline tour I did for the first time, I felt this like strange sense of embarrassment of like, you know, like what people are paying to see me like not like as much as that's the goal I get there and I'm on stage and then I'm looking at these people and I'm like, there's a sense of embarrassment because you're like, it is what I wanted. But now that it's in front of me, it's staring me right in the face. Yeah, It's almost like, oh, the chase sometimes is like what motivates artists. Like it's just that part of it. You know mm. what I mean? And that's why I think you see so many like famous stories of like, movie stars and actors and, and artists like hating interviews. It's because it's like, that's the part of it that they're like, I don't want, this is, I don't care about this. The whole point of this was just to do it. I don't actually care about the yeah. shit that comes with it after and like being so aware of it, you know? And then you there's people in front of you going, we like your songs, play them. <laughs> um, you think you have, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing so. humility, I mean, just knowing you too. I feel like humility is yeah, somewhere, somewhere yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah, humility but humility in a lot of ways, I think like, I think it also is a defense. I think sometimes humility can be like a defense mechanism for like mm. not wanting, not wanting. Cause again, I always, whenever I get in a little situation in my head, I just think about if I was the last man on earth and I go, okay, I made a song and I really loved it. That feeling would always stay like exactly how it was when it was initially created. Maybe it would waver, but it would never go up and down based on another person's uh, input or another person's existence on the planet. What are they going to think? And if I didn't have to think about any of that, I would probably just always have that. It's like when they say, like, if you throw a ball in space, it would just go forever because there's nothing to resist it. I, feel, I think if there were no other people mm -hmm. and I had an idea and I made something, that feeling would sustain forever because I would never have to worry about do people like it or even if people love it, that still affects that feeling initially how it started. So there's so much uh, coming in. I think a good artist, I think your job is to try to do your best to like not block it out, but like try to like, don't let your main thing deteriorate too much and get beat up too much, you know, essentially. But yeah, um, yeah I think humility is a nice, a nice way to kind of like safely um, always know that you're safe. It's like a nice, safe way to be like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not that good. You know, I'm, I'm you guys are crazy. You know, like that whole thing, I think it just feels like a safe way out. Even though if no one was here, I would just be like, yeah, I do like this song. Like yeah, I worked super yeah, hard yeah. on it. You know, it's, well, I think, I think um, to your points before, I'm thinking about uh, an interview I recently heard of Dave Kroll talking about, you know, everybody thought I was such a great drummer in Nirvana. I was just copying music that I liked. That's how I learned how to keep the beat the oh, way yeah. I did. Right. And I think that's the yeah, cool part yeah. of hearing stories of how people start to make their music. And the thing I appreciate about you 
and the way you create is that you take from inspiration, but you really kind of just do what feels right instead of like, you might be thinking, oh, I like this lick from Bowie or whatever, whoever you like at the moment or whatever you're inspired by, yeah. but but it, it like, it flows through you in a, in a really unique, beautiful, creative way. And you're unapologetic about it, right? And I think that's the thin line between humility and overconfidence, right? It's like, you, sure, sure, you sure. should be like, yeah, I really like this song or I really like what I just created because I think that's when we're at our best is when we can honor and identify with who we are and what we're good at when we do it well. And I got to tell you, this is something that is really difficult for me. Like sometimes even on the podcast, I'll listen to myself. And I'm like, oh, that was really good. But I walk out of here and even the producer a couple weeks ago was like, you're really hard on yourself. You're better than you think you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the truth. Like it's really difficult. But I think, you know, I think you are the same way in that we we care so deeply about the things we do that we want it to be done well. And we try our best to be authentic to the thing we love and to create things that make sense not because other people are going to love yeah. it or care about it, but because it feels right to us in the way we've prepared for it, the way we've produced it, yeah. and the way we put things together. Yeah, totally. It's you, and it's in a, and you get brief moments. I think of that clarity where you aren't being hard on yourself, yeah. and that's what the creative process. That's what the creative process kind of brings to the table. Is like when I'm having a moment down here and like coming up with something that I'm really excited about. It's like that is like the most um, like free and disconnected from everything that I can be. And then it, but it's quick. It's like anything else. It's like when you have the first slice of pizza versus seventh, like <laughs> by the, fir- the first one, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm so happy. And then by the end you're full and you're like, I can't imagine, you can't imagine being hungry ever again after you <laughs> eat too much, like eat a whole meal. Right. <laughs> exactly. But right. before that you were, you were so hungry and you were so excited to eat. And I just think things like that are supposed to be, uh, in little, like, cause you could see it just like in nature and, and the way things happen. Like sometimes it rains, sometimes it's really sunny out. And it's like, you just don't know what to do. And I think like that, uh, small little, like appreciating those small little moments, um, is okay. I think the better, I think the better you get at recognizing that, like, oh, okay. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not supposed to feel perfectly clear all of the time. Yes. It's almost like the way out of of that being hard on yourself feeling is like yeah. recognizing in real time that it's like oh like wh- I I can't even care about this because like this isn't what's supposed to be I can't just always be in that headspace of like ah oh, I feel good right now you know and, and it's okay yeah. but it's it's when you don't know that and you're confused your 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 mind can eat itself you know because it just thinks like oh, what, I, I need to care more you know. I don't know if I ever told both of you guys this, but there's there's this Buddhist philosophy and meditation that I really love is this idea of this in-between space. It's like the, in between your in-breath and your out-breath is like this in-between space and they call it the bardo. And the in-between oh, wow. space is like so uncomfortable because like you, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing there. And it, I, th- I think the same goes uh, yeah. for like the creative process because there's like that you have this spark of like excitement and enthusiasm to do this thing. And then you start working on it. And sometimes you get into that muddy spot where it's like not super clear like yes. you're describing. 
And it's like, it's the borrow, yeah. it's the in-between. And my my meditation teacher taught me about this because there's all these points in our lives that sometimes feels sort of uncomfortable. And you're like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing here. And I, I think, and I'm, I'm going to relate this back to mental health for a second, because I know that a lot of people, in, especially in the creative arts and world, when you're in that in-between in space, you can get really down on yourself and feel like there's, uh, you know, the world against you, you get so stuck. And, you know, this is sometimes where people turn to different alternatives to like escape from that feeling because it's really not always a good feeling. But I would argue, and I wonder what you think, is sometimes in that in-between space, if you give yourself enough space and time there, that's where you can get to that yeah. clarity of that aha moment where things start yeah. to come together and you're like, yes. But it's it's difficult to like sit in it and face it and just be there and wait it out to get to yeah. the other side. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're in a waiting room and you grab your phone, you are smothering any chance that you have of like <laughs> just of just being there. You yeah. just like you aren't letting yourself. You're not letting yourself yeah. exist in in neutral. Like that's not good. Mm. I don't think for the engine. You know, like you you need to sometimes be able to just sit there and like. That's a great metaphor. Um, we have, we just have so much stuff that we have so much stuff to distract. We have so many, you know, and there's always going, that's been around since the beginning of time. It just, maybe it's not a phone, but like, you know, there's going and hanging out with people, you know, because like, you don't want to work on your thing. So you're like, Oh, everyone's going to the bar. Like I'll go to the bar. Mm -hmm. And then, which it's funny because in a lot of times, like in more, more times than not, when I go and I finally, I'm always, I've always been very um, like, resistant to the like hey we're all going out to this bar on a friday night to like have fun and like we worked all week and like we don't do a weird creative thing like you so like we're we've been working all week we want to go out and i'm like i've always been so resistant to it because i was just like okay but like what are we doing like what's the what's the objective like that's my <laughs> fun is like making and doing mm -hmm. things you know mm -hmm. i don't under i don't understand the idea of of like just like doing nothing you know yeah. I, I never i never like like i didn't i never like in high school that was the same thing i was more interested in like hey we're gonna like try to make a movie like in my backyard or we're gonna try to like record or make a song or something instead of go to the high school party like i yeah. i became uninterested in those kinds of things early on because i was finding the fun and the experience the, like accomplishment of something and then but so then one the, the times i finally did give in to like let's go to the bar like i'll, I'll fine i'll go with you guys and like now i'm stuck i don't have a guitar i can't do anything that's where i would get the best lyrics or the best feelings that i was gonna eventually a week later or a month or a year later would come up in my songwriting because mm. i'm experiencing real life like and i thought about it and I was like, oh yeah, of course. Of course the like night out at a bar doing absolutely nothing but just like having fun with no objective and no you're not gonna achieve anything and like the world is not going to change like based on you going to a bar. And it's like, oh no, that is like that is what changes the world. Not the it's as much as we think that it's not, it's like that's what the foundation and the ingredients of all that is without any of those things writing a song, lyrics, doesn't mean anything. Like there's mm -hmm. no point to doing stuff if, if there aren't these extremely human experiences that you're having. And I'll go to a bar or a club or something and, I, and I'd have weird moments of like this clarity of like watching everyone dance to a song that came on 
and I was watching people use music and I was like, oh, this is the whole point. This is the best it gets. Like, I, I think I'm so cool and advanced because I can create this stuff and like think of ideas. I'm so smart and deep. And then I watched the girl dancing to like Dancing Queen. And I'm like, that's the best thing in the world. That's so much deeper and so much better than mm. anything I will ever do. Like, I almost wish I couldn't make music because I would love to be able to experience music like that. Like, mm. I think the best songwriters in the world are the people that can't write songs, like, because they're truly like in it. Like, they're truly like, you know, just they, I want to know what people hear when they hear music without thinking of, oh, I want to do that. Like, it's such an amazing thing. And I, and I think like when I can, ex- the more stuff you experience that seems like every day, whatever, that's, that's your most, that's the deepest you can get because that is like, that's what AI cannot write. You know, like you can't write that stuff into a, a thing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that's where we have unlimited song ideas and movies. It's like the, um, you know, like, someone who writes music, whatever genre you're in, you know, they may write like the early experiences in their life, inspire them to write about tough experiences they've gone through and challenges and they write about it. It's cathartic for them. And as they become rich and famous, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe you can uh, check me on this, but I feel like sometimes they become rich and famous. Their life is so different. They're like, what do I write about now? Having like million dollar houses and like, I don't think I want to write about that. There's not too much substance there. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, yeah. to your point, like I think in life, we're always trying to like recalibrate where we're at, knowing ourselves and you know yourself really well. And it's a big part of therapy is learning about yourself. And I feel like as we go through life, we're making adjustments. We're trying to recalibrate so we don't kind of get fixed in one aspect of life, but we kind of expand it and, and to experience what life has to offer for us. And that, you know, that takes reflection and honesty and and uh, all the other, you know, values that we can uphold along the way. Totally, yeah. It's uh, always changing. You're just always, people are always figuring themselves out, you know. I, th- I think to your point, we went to a concert last night to see Shovels and Rope and the Wood Brothers. And mm. I was just thinking, I'm like, I'm like, for me at least, I grew up so differently than these artists did. And they're writing lyrics about their experience. And even though I didn't experience what they experienced, they lived in very different places than we we grew up in. I'm like, I can still connect to the music. I can still be a part of this experience and really appreciate it, even though it's yeah. so different. And I think that's such a cool part about being a performer and artist is that you're able to make and create things that kind of transcend space, time, sometimes age and culture. culture. And yeah. it's it's so cool. It's such yeah. an incredible gift that you have. Brings people together like Thank food. You. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no thinking involved. You know what I mean? It's, it's most things you think about before it's like, think about like politics. Like that's why politics gets so like everyone deep down, not even that deep down, but I think everyone hates politics. They hate the world (laughs) where we stand and we stand a certain way and we want them to speak. It's, it's funny. It's like when people are, are like, they talk about a politician in a way where they're like, you know, they're not like, uh, they're not like classy. Like I, I like how they did that because they, they, they handled that in a classy way. Like we're so aware of all these things and there's so much thinking involved before, you know, who you're going to vote for and all, there's all of that. And then like you take a bite, you have a bite of a Big Mac. It's, you just go, this is delicious. And everyone <laughs> likes it. And you don't, no one has to, there's no fighting. There's no talking. It's just like, and I think music is the same way. It, it, it like totally like, invades you it just goes right in and like you you can't stop it and like 
there's so many other things that you can stop and like filter appropriately for you what you want and then let it in. And then it comes back out in such a weird, distorted way. And then that's why the craziest things we always hear about are like politics and stuff that you hear these crazy stories of things happening. And it's like, that's just because it's like someone not, it's someone just so an- analyzing everything so much that they've created an identity of their identity. And like, that's, yeah. that's what they want everyone to see them as and what they stand for. And it's like, you know, th- that's why I think everyone loves music is because it kind of goes away from all that. And then people get mad at artists when they talk about politics. I think for that reason, because I was always very confused. Like my dad would always be like me growing up. I remember he would always hate Bruce Springsteen. And like, I'd be like, oh, he just rants on stage for four hours about, you know, like this and that. And, and, um, I, I think it's, I think like, I, whenever someone says something or does anything, like I always just try to look at like, there's a reason for everything. So like my dad being pissed off at that, let me think about like, why is he, why is he angry? And I think it's because music is supposed to be this thing that, turns off, turns you off a little, like turns your brain off a little bit and just lets you feel. Mm. And when someone starts talking about those things that go against that, it kind of like makes you like, oh, what the hell, you know? And I don't think it's, I remember always arguing or trying to, you guys know, trying to argue with him about like that. And I would just be like, well, no, I mean, like, you know, if that's how he feels, because I was looking at it from a, a an artist's perspective going, that's how he feels. Let him, you know, him writing a song is no different than him talking about something or, mm. you know, but I, I think now I understand that I think, you know, people just take music extremely seriously because it is such a visceral thing that when it starts getting commercialized or anything, everyone has a problem with it because I think it's like, this is our one, this is our one thing. Like they'll take this like amazing mm. thing mm. and bring it so into this like, human, like very, you know, it's very like uh, commercialized, like self-aware, you know, world that we have. Yeah. And it, it's a, it becomes a community of people who are different than each other coming together and experiencing it. And you know, it's funny, you know, we're, we're watching live music sometimes, like, I don't even know what the lyrics are sometimes at a live show. Like I can't make out the lyrics sometimes where I'm like, but I like the vibe yeah. and I'm vibing with it, you know, and, and you can, you can appreciate that. And yeah. that, that's a really cool thing about music. You're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. You know, yeah. we saw, um, we saw this really cool oh, band yeah. called, called Ripe. They're actually uh, from Boston and they're up and coming band. Oh, and really, I played with them. I played with them and they, they lived Sick. on my floor and I no. played a show with them. No and I was like, I was like, I was like, I, and we were in the middle of like Ohio. And I was found out this other band is on the bill. It was for a radio thing. Like it was just a radio event. And all of a sudden I see them and I'm like, I think you were on my floor. <laughs> all of them. And they were like, they're like, no way. And like, we all just realized like we all went to Berkeley and like, awesome. it was kind of, I made a joke that I was like, I, I was like, I left after a year. They're like, yeah, we graduated. I was like, I guess you guys just spent more money to get to the same place. <laughs> I was laughing with them. Funny. But they but, have such a cool um, vibe like you do. It was pretty huh? funny how we, how we crossed paths. That's yeah, really yeah. Cool. yeah, they're so much fun. They're so nice. Yeah. So to that same point, thinking cool. about vibe, and you've just come off of your first headlining tour. What was that like? What was it like to like get out there and know that you were the band that they were Crazy. coming to see? It was. It started like I was saying, very embarrassing or whatever the word is, because I was just kind of like, like I remember the tour went up. Like I remember getting the dates for my manager and booking agent and like seeing all these venues and like the states and cities they were in. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like Chicago? Like no one's going to go to that. You guys are trying to like, 
it feels a bit like it feels a lot like um, throwing a birthday party for yourself and being terrified that no one's going to come, so you invite too huh. many people, and you like, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> that's know, what it felt like every single day. I was I was in that in that headspace, but uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. Let's, and then I started getting, you know hearing, hey, we, we just sold out Washington, D.C., like, but, like, you know, weeks out of the tour. And I was like, really? And then he's like, yeah, and there's only like 10 tickets left in Chicago. And like, so now it, it's exciting because again, it's like, I'm like, really, this is amazing. Like, this is what I want. Uh, but also that embarrassment of like, well, now I know there's people there that are like, hey, like when you open, they don't expect anything from you. Like you're, you're a bonus if you're good and you're, a zero if you're not good. You're not negative though. You're not taking away from their experience. You're just mm-hmm. zero and that's okay. So there's there's a lack of pressure there. Like you can just walk out there and you know you're safe no matter what. And especially if you think you're pretty good, like you're going to give them a little more than zero at least, on a, even on a bad night. So now though, I was like, they paid to see me. Like they, this is like, they already are saying, we think you're good, go. It's like, oh, okay, that's a different... I, I'm walking out there with less like an underdog, like punching up and a little more like, okay, I need to like, I, I need to like be in charge of everyone's like fun and, and like make sure everyone is like getting what they want and what they paid for. Um, or so I thought, like this is what I thought. And then as soon as the first show happened, Washington, D.C., the very first show, I walked out and it was like, it was one of those things where I was embarrassed or whatever, or I was so like, oh my God, this is so crazy that this is happening. And then as soon as I was out there, it was like, of co- like I was so ready, so ready to do it. Nice. Because like, of course I am. I've been, this is what I've been practicing for. Mm-hmm. This is what mm-hmm. I've been wanting and working towards. And then, but I'm just, I just think like with musicians and artists and stuff, like you're, you're always at your best when you're not, you when you're not thinking so much, right? So as soon as I go on stage, the brain has to go off. There's nothing I can do about that. I can no longer sit there and think and analyze and look at my phone. Like, this is it. I'm on the stage. And that's when I was like having so much fun because everyone was there. It was easy. Of course, they already think you're good. This is so easy. You know, like all the things that were terrifying and scary to me became the like, um, the weapons. Those were all the things that I needed to be able to make a good show. I was like, I was like, this is so easy. I started thinking about other bands that I opened for. I was like, they had it so easy. This is just, you walk out and everyone's like, Go everyone's crazy. already on your team, you know? Like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, it was great. And then meeting people after was so great because, you know, like opening and you meet someone after, they're really excited about the live show that they just saw, right? And so if they say, that was great, I loved it. Like, you know, that's an amazing conversation. But when they're there because they've already heard your music and they've had a year and they've had years of listening to it or whatever. It's a very different conversation after because now they're not just saying like, you killed it tonight. It's a little more like there's a deeper meaning and they're kind of like, I've been listening to you since, you know, 2020, like when the pandemic started and you know, this song means this to me. It's like, there was so much more uh, detail and so much more depth that I, you know, wasn't like, yeah, like taking in and just talking to those people. And it was like, so crazy because it's like everything everyone says when they when they talk about you know if they really like my music or something the reason it i think it's it's it feels good or whatever isn't because it's like you know 
oh, we think you're so good. It's, it feels good because they're mirroring the things I felt in that 3 a.m. moment when I like came up with that song and was like, oh, like I find it like that. That's what I've been trying to get out of me. And then you have to say it to everyone. Yeah. And then when they go, come up to you and they say, we, we get it, we hear the language that you're speaking, that is your own language. You're like, oh my God, it's crazy that you actually like heard that language I was speaking. Cause like, yeah. it, I, it, I didn't think any, anyone else would un- understand that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what it is, is that you think that that's that embarrassment. I think is that you're kind of like, you feel like a fool because you're singing in your own, you feel like you're, you're in a different language that you're like, no one's going to get this. Right. And then when they do, it feels great because you're like, you know, you're just kind of like, you feel so it's such a human experience of like, you know, it, it, it transcends everything else. And you're just like having this very, like you feel understood or something um, more than ever, you know? And it's just, it's, it's always better with other people, you know, like you can, I can only do so much, by myself in a room to make myself, you know, feel good or content. Like we need each other to really, I think yeah. like, that's the whole point. The yeah. whole, the whole point is that, you know, we're all together in it. So whenever you can connect to some, someone else in that way, it's like, that'll last you your whole life. It's great. And if you get a chance to go see Joe perform live, not only is his music amazing, but the stage performance between you and the guys, the energy is just so cool. But I, I, I kind of feel like we we started with the seed that we planted of like an onion. And then we went right to the middle of the onion instead of talking about the outward layers. And if you don't mind, I know we're getting close yeah. on time, but can we talk a little bit about like that, that whole COVID time? Because I feel like, it was it was really difficult yeah. for a lot of people. I actually think you might have enjoyed it being on your own, just doing your thing and building things. But you also yeah. were alone, but with like this huge growing fan base that came out of nowhere that just became like an extended yeah. family who I most certainly have not met many of. But <laughs> tell me tell us a little <laughs> bit about that, because that was pretty much, I would say, a, a huge pivotal point for you in your career. Yeah, it was um, the end of the world and the beginning of, I guess, my world. It was really, really weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like the band ended like day one of COVID, essentially, I guess you could say. Oh, wait, I was just talking and about like, this last night. That was Your yeah. show was the last show yeah. I saw live up here in Cambridge at the Middle East, like right before the world ended. Oh, no. Remember that? It was like maybe two days yes, before right. everything that closed was- down. I was like one that of like it. a that handful of people who were not scared to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like a major, that was like a major city too. So it was like, yeah. you know, that was where it was, people were saying like, you know, getting freaked out the most was like, there's so many people and, you know, but it still wasn't as at the forefront yet. Like there were still a few more days left before like they really started like saying like, it's crazy, like everyone go yeah, inside. yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that, those, those shows are the last shows we played and like COVID really started and it was like, I think for everyone, COVID was a positive thing only in the sense of like, it forced you to, you know, look at your, do all that work I did when I was in high school by not going to parties and like, you're alone now, like you're, you're forced to look at yourself and Mm. figure out what you like and don't like. And, you know, people were now instead, you know, husbands, you know, like, like, couples and stuff like going to work all day and working a nine to five and coming back and meeting up for dinner and going to bed now experience 24 hours of the day together. That's a little different. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's different. So that, that forced people. And I think like for us, it was the same thing. It was like, 
okay, there's no shows, there's no music videos, there's no, uh, you know, this or that, you know, it's all about music. It's all about like loving music. And like, when you take away all those other distractions, which like I consider like touring and all those things, like distractions in a positive way, um, because they kind of like spread things, you know, across a little, a little wider. Um, now it's all just sitting in a basement and making music. So you better love this. You know what I mean? Just like couples, mm-hmm. it's like, you're stuck in the same house. So you better love this, you know? <laughs> so I was, and, and for me, I was like, this is great. I do. This is like what I've always done anyway. Mm-hmm. But for everyone else, I could just sense more of like a, whoa, like this is what you meant by like, you love music. Like, this is crazy. You know, that's kind of what it felt like. So it just kind of crumbled naturally, which is it's in a weird way. That's like a positive thing. Like I really think it's a blessing in that sense of it, everyone's, everyone's true colors came out because there was nowhere to hide. You kind of couldn't come up with an excuse to stay another year or stay another week in the band because it was like, there's no tour. There's no job for you mm. unless you're okay with just sitting here and being immersed in it. And so that happened. And then I was just kind of like, this thing I envisioned so clearly was gone. Like that was the way it was like, people have dreams and stuff. And then like, usually they like, like nicely fade to fade to black or whatever. Right. Mine was just like, the movie's over like halfway through. Like so many people during COVID. Yeah. Now I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, what do you do? You know, like businesses that probably just started had to close. It's like, you have such a vision and it's forced to be cut completely short. Um, And I think I had a day, I had one day of like panic attacks, like what, like just going crazy, walking around, like, what am I going to do? Like, it felt like my arm was cut off Mm -hmm. and I, I I don't know what to, I have no clue what to do now. And then the next day, and this is what I think is interesting about like human beings is like the next day it was like, I had the opposite feeling. I was like, okay, this is great. I'm ready to go. Like, let's go. Mm. And it was weird because I, like I didn't think that was going to happen. I, yes. Yeah. You, you can't imagine a world where you're ever going to get over this. And then the next day it was like, not only am I over it, but I think like, I'm happy of, of how this is happening. I'm happy of how life is kind of like making me do this right now. Like this is, this is better. I'm going to like, do something with it. And I didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it's just because you know, naturally, I think people are just good at being resilient to things when there isn't gray area, when there isn't room for interpretation. Like, it's just like, this is what's happening. Like, the world's mm-hmm. shutting down. Your band is done. What are you going to do? Like, mm-hmm. there was nothing for me to come back with, right? So that happened, and I just retreated to the basement and just started. I didn't start anything. I just kept doing what I've always done. Mm-hmm. And like, I literally, I literally was like, this is great because everyone always wants to go to the beach or like go to bars and stuff. And now I'm not the freak. Like I'm <laughs> everyone's stuck inside. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> like that is all the sun. That's all the sunlight that I need. They became your um, people. <laughs> but so, uh, yes. Yeah. They were all like, that was, that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like with the band and then everyone for that matter was just kind of like, had like a, it's almost like COVID forced everyone to, become Joe Perella. See how I see the world. Like, just like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Everyone was like, everyone was like, this is what you do every day. This is what you've been doing your whole life. I'm like, yeah, I really love like being locked in a room and not 
allowed to leave. Um, <laughs> Joe, so I, that that was kind of uh, that was kind of it. Yeah, Joe, it's such a it's such a great story of uh, adapting and evolving, <laughs> and um, we're almost at the time. So I want to I want to give a quick shout out to your brother, okay, yeah. who I know. Uh, Rob, your brother Rob, who also yeah. has done his own evolution and what he's doing with his life, mm-hmm. can can you just give a quick shout out to you know what he's been up yeah. to um, in terms of his evolution and his course. career and his life? Yeah, yeah, he he's always been like also very very creative, but I think for him it was more in ways that you know wasn't just like oh music done. Like for me, it was like day one I figured out it was music and that was it. I think for him, he was able to be creative. Like he's so much more creative than I am in the sense of like he finds a way to be creative about things that don't necessarily offer creativity to be kind of like inflicted on it right so he if you made him go make a garden he would do it in a way that you're like oh my god you know so he's always had that brain and very artistic and um cooking I think became the thing that he resonated with the most I think because you know he, you can do anything with that. It's endless. You can change it. You can, you know, you can create something and then people get joy out of it. I think that's what's cool is like, I think it was a thing that he, the first thing that he made something and it connected with people and he saw it in real time. And I think that happened to me when I was little with music, where I think for him, he would just be drawing a picture in his room and no one would really clap. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it's not the same thing. So uh, I think cooking, he started getting feedback and I think he, I think that like felt good and I think he started leaning into it and he worked in Asbury Park uh, at Pascal and Sabine, like, which was where we were all living in Asbury Park during that before COVID. Um, and, and it was like a really high end fancy restaurant. And like, you know, within a couple of months, he was just moving his way up. They all loved him. He was killing it. Mm. Um, and then he moved to Nashville and now he's working at like the really, really nice Hilton restaurant that's there and like it's like really really intense fancy food that like you know i can't even i don't even understand how he learned <laughs> these things yeah you know, it's one of those things where i'm like where do you where were you like how did you do this yeah i didn't i never saw you cooking anything other than like nachos with me at four in the morning you know <laughs> like in like high school <laughs> um so it's pretty amazing um but yeah he's and he's like kind of running the show you know he's running he's his the band kitchen leader essentially of his kitchen. At, this huge restaurant. Yeah. It's so cool. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's killing it. And he's, you know, and he's in Nashville, you know, he's in like a cool town, like really, really doing it. And it's like, you know, but it was such a, it was such a more sneaky kind of like, uh, rise to that or path to that where mine has always just been like, again, I haven't changed doing what I do since I was five years old. (laughs) Where with him, I think it was a little more like, he was always in like a, he was in like a, general category i think in his own mind yeah creative. i think he just had he was like feel yeah he just had to feel around a little longer uh for exactly what it was and i think he found it so i think he's just so stoked to be doing that yeah i think it's so cool um that both of you found ways to express yourselves where people get to connect around the things you create Mm. right around food around music Mm -hmm. and for you, you know, I was yeah. I was alluding to your time in quarantine as also a time where you connected with so many people through your music and through social media, which I, I know social media is not any of our thing that we love, but it's also become <laughs> an outlet to connect with people, to share some of the things we create. And and I will say that, you know, I'm sure people come to Rob's restaurant from all around the world to visit the city and 
and yeah. get to experience what he creates and his expressions just the way you know the people that follow you on on Instagram and TikTok and all these great pieces of yourself that you share with the world that people are like yeah I really love that I love the authenticity I like the creativity I like the way you're connecting without losing a part of yourself and I I really appreciate that so much about both you and Rob and you know the guys in your band who have been a part of this process with you and you know, it's led to so many great things. And and I will be a, a little bit of your PR person that, you know, recently you signed with Atlantic Records and have kind of evolved your work as an artist and and now playing, I mean, I know you guys did this with Deal Casino too, but, you know, playing these big music festivals and these great shows. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any you want to plug. I will plug that, you know, the one in Ocean City, Maryland. I got tickets to come see yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's the only one. Yeah. And we'll, we'll give awesome. it up. We'll give it up for uh, our Aunt Jan, our Jame. My is, boy. She's like the matriarch of our family at this <laughs> stage. But I will joke and say that you're opening for the Lumineers. You happen to be playing on the same day that they're headlining that <laughs> that day of the, yeah, of the festival, which is pretty cool. That. That's her favorite band besides yeah. you, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think it's just so beautiful how you've been able to hone your craft, stay dedicated to what you love, figure out the right people to be involved in this journey while still staying true to yourself and just being like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And, I, you know, I, I know that the people in your life, Emily included and our family and everybody outside of our family who just loves and supports you, I, I hope you feel the love and the energy that we all give to you as you are on this journey. And we're so yeah. proud of your dedication and your persistence. And, you know, we know it's no easy task to stay up till five in the morning and do, do what you love because it just, <laughs> it, it sustains you, right? It's not like I have to do yeah, this. Yeah. It's because you you feel that it's a part of you that needs to be happening. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And we are so so proud of you and so glad to have this conversation with you. I feel like we could talk forever and we likely will. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just glad to have no, you here on this. Great. Any, any, of course. Yeah, this is really good. Any parting words, you know, we work with a lot of uh, young people and young adults who are just really trying to find their path. And, and I think you've given so many nuggets of inspiration throughout our time together, mm-hmm. but any, any final thoughts for somebody who, you know, might be feeling some resistance to what they think they should be doing and are trying to figure out what they should do next? Um, the only thing now, you know, I said this at all the headlining shows I did, I would, I would talk about how, uh, and I didn't realize it until I told the story. Like the story kept evolving because as I told it, I was learning about kind of like what happened. But I, you know, I kept doing these things that were, mistakes i thought right so i went to berkeley and then i left because i go oh this wasn't for me and then i thought i need to go to william patterson because it's a university to like get the college experience like i thought that's what i was missing and then i get there and i was like oh my god i made another mistake like all of my roommates are like the jocks who made fun of me in high school for playing music and then i left there and moved to belmar and like now I'm going to pursue music. I dropped that I caught it. Okay, here we go. And then I got like fired from my bar, like waiting on tables job. Like, and, and it was just mistake after mistake. And I kept thinking like all this stuff. And then I, and I, at the end of that whole thing that I would say, I would say, but if you make enough mistakes, you might end up 
in like, you know, whatever city we were in with a, like a sold out show or whatever. Right. So I, I, so my point, I guess would just be that because of social media, it seems like everyone gets everything right mm-hmm. all the time. Like on the first try, like, and it's past we we used to look at social media as negative because everyone looked perfect. I think we're past that. I think like people know that that's all fake. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's almost a deeper thing where it's like you see people being successful, which is worse. No one wants to be more successful. You know, like everyone wants to have some level of success. So I would say don't, don't work or look at that, but realize that all the mistakes you make are so much more important than all the, you know, right decisions you make because like, COVID, like I thought everything was so over, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't even imagine Atlantic Records being like a thing, you know, ever mm. um, once COVID hit and the band ended. So everything seemed like a mistake or a bad moment. And it's always like, like I said, I think naturally we're super resilient. So those are the moments that are going to make you push off the wall mm. and just slingshot towards this thing that you're actually trying to go toward. You were actually going away from it, but now you're being slingshotted towards it. So I think, uh, welcome that embrace all of the terrible terrible things (laughs) that's great that's great and and i will say as a therapist psychologist working with individuals who reflect on sometimes you know like don't make things worse than they need to be like by becoming destructive with like drugs alcohol or rebelling for no other reason just for the sake of rebelling because i've worked with so many people they look back and they regret that and now they're just learning to become true to who they are and to follow their path the way you have, yeah. you know, to, to, to know that there is a, there is a guide somewhere. If you can utilize your support system to get through the hard times and have clarity that will guide you to your authentic self, because your thought, your authentic self is not always that, you know, destructive version yeah. of yourself. That's just a way of coping. But if you can find healthier ways of coping yeah. by using your support system, having moments of clarity and, and looking into yourself, it's a huge thing. So just a plug for people out there. You know, for for therapy, if 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 it's useful to you, you know, it depends on the person. Yeah, and find your people, find your like, find your friends, like find. You don't need a million friends. You don't need you know. You just you don't need to be in a relationship with the perfect part. Like you just need to let that happen and find the people that uh, I think make you feel like yourself the most. I think that's the thing. I always hear people trying to get in relationships, and obviously, I've been with Emily forever, so I don't. I'm like always so interested in people dating and dating and dating and all this stuff. And they're all just talking about, you know, the way they're like on an app looking, I'm like, man, if I saw Emily right now and I just had to base it on one thing, I don't know what I would do because Mm. like, there's so much more baked into that, that it's like, you know, the idea of just thinking like, Oh, this person likes hiking on their thing. So like, that's nice. I'll, I'll, I also like hiking. I hate hiking. Emily loves hiking. (laughs) <laughs> I, we are completely opposite. Like my best friends are are very similar, maybe in one world, but like most of the people I know, I'm opposite from. And like those, those are the people I love to be with the most because one, they open your mind to other things, and two, they still do something that makes me be me the most I can be. Mm. And like that's I think so much more valuable than like, well, we're both. You know, you meet like the couple who's like the cool Brooklyn couple and they're both like really cool. And you're like, okay, but then they have no chemistry. And you're like, just because you guys both like shopping and like, you know, watching A24 movies doesn't mean that like you should be friends or even together. You know, it's like there's, I think we're in that world though now where we, 
there's so many categories that people can be in that we think we can actually link up with them based on, mm. oh, we have the same stuff in the same, like a Venn diagram or something. And it's like, <laughs> no, we're just go talk to meet a bunch of people and be, be open to the people that are like, not like you at all, because those are probably the ones that you're going to like, because you're, you're not going to just be, there's not going to be two of you. That's a good thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so important. And I think living your most authentic self and your most authentic life is, is often what allows for you to find your passion and, and live it. And if you're lucky enough to make it into a career that sustains you. Yeah. So Grateful yeah. for this conversation. We'll we'll keep it going and we're rooting for you every day. And we love you and we're mm-hmm. can't hey. wait to see you at the next show. Me too. And the yeah. next gathering. Yeah. We yeah. love you, Joe. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Love man. you too, guys. Thank you for having me on here. This is so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Read Connected Podcast. Please remember that this is a podcast intended to educate and share ideas, but it is not a substitute for professional care that may be beneficial to you at different points of your life. If you are in need of support, please contact your primary care physician, local hospital, educational institution, or support staff at your place of employment to seek out referrals for what may be most helpful for you. Ideas shared here have been shaped by many years of training, incredible mentors, research, theory, evidence-based practices, and our work with individuals over the years, but it's not intended to represent opinions of those we work with or who we are affiliated with. The Reconnected podcast is hosted by siblings Alexis Reed and Dr. Gerald Reed. Original music is written and recorded by Gerald Reed. Editing and recording was done by Cybersound Studios. If you want to follow along on this journey with us, the Reconnected podcast will be releasing new episodes every two weeks each season. So please subscribe for updates and notifications. Feel free to also follow us on Instagram at Read Connected Podcast. That's Read Connect Ed Podcast and Twitter at Read Connect Ed. We are grateful for you joining us and look forward to future episodes. In the meanwhile, be curious, be open, and be well. Mm-hmm.